It's Thursday, Spags. We can't even get through a show without more COVID news breaking. This is setting up to be uh, one of the most interesting slates of the year. You're going to be a lot of moving parts for the Saturday slate, for the Sunday slate, and for Thursday night football. Lots of COVID news to dig through. We got to talk about our pal Urban Meyer grinding his way to the unemployment line. We also have the low probability crystal ball. Some numbers don't lie. Thursday night football lineup builds, and of course, low ball for week 15. So let's get that intro going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Peter Overzet. And Pete, how are you doing today? I know you do a lot of prep work for the Fantasy Life newsletter, and I feel like all this news changing around as the day goes on probably just makes for more work for you tomorrow. Yeah, I was already thinking about that, too. I was thinking about uh, Sunday, too, where I have like the bang bang of I finish my show up, then I have to update the newsletter and make lineups. And I'm like, this is just going to be a disaster. I already told my guest I'm having um, JM to win from one week season on my show. And I was like, we're just going to talk macro general DFS strategy. Like there's absolutely no point of trying to talk about actual lineup building specifics on Friday because it still seems like we have more shoes to drop here. Yeah, it is a messy week of news that we are going to do our best to dig through the important headlines coming up in a little bit. But first of all, make sure you are, of course, liking this video, whether you're watching on Pete's YouTube channel or the Splash Play channel it does help us out a bunch. And of course, subscribe to both. We're putting up content on Pete's channel all the time. And Splash Play has the easy to access archives of every episode. If you, for some reason, want to watch ESPN's Playmakers and go through and rewatch that during the football offseason, you could do that along with us because we did that last year. It's kind of joy you can get out of that. I probably should have a better sales pitch than that, huh, Pete? <laughs> If you want to go watch Playmakers, go to the Splash Play YouTube channel. Yes. Uh, I'm surprised you're plugging our, our summer long uh, Playmakers rewatch. Well, it's top of mind for me, Pete, because you know we have another offseason coming up. And I we'll have some more underdog best ball drafts. I think we'll have some more stuff to do. But we are still going to have to do our wacky bits. And, and one thing I haven't even floated to Pete yet, but I'll float it on the show. I think we should be doing best ball drafts entirely in character week to week. During wet during the off season, yes, um, I might be interested in that. Uh, I now's just a bad time to ask me because I did uh for Club Top Shot on Tuesday. I ended up doing this like auctioneer cowboy character for like an hour and twenty minutes, and I was so exhausted. So you just like <laughs> telling me right now drafting an entire team as Nana Pete. Like I I felt my energy drain just hearing that, but. I'm sure once I uh, decompress a little bit here in February and March, uh, then I'll be ready for it. Yeah, if you're one of the people out there that starts to tune out some of your favorite fantasy football shows the season goes on, don't do that with Splash Play because we will continue to push through. We don't care if there's one person watching each show. We will continue to do shows. Uh, we, 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 we care. We don't I mean. care at all. Don't even, no, we, we care. We, we actually care a good amount. Uh, that's the time where we really build our brands, Pete. And actually, before we get to the NFL news, I have something that I wanted to float to you, and we might not even have enough time to cover it. But did you see the Bored Ape NFT rap video that was released at some point this week no i missed that was it super right. cringe 
it, it is incredibly cringe. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you the link right now. I I don't know if we want to do it on the show, but I think it's bad enough that it might be worth doing. And and for you know full disclosure here, I am not as sharp in NFTs as Pete are, as Pete is. Also, as a lot of people who are on the Deposit Kingdom Discord are. So I make no uh, no false bones about that. But this uh, and I, I like the board apes thing conceptually. I'm obviously more familiar on the the media coverage level, seeing some people talk about it on social media. But a rap video of Bored Apes that I saw from a writer I used to work with, K. Thor Jensen, who's been one of those guys covering weird internet things for a while. I just think we have to watch it and then and, and just sit in. Can you hear it? I can hear it, yes. Okay. It's it's something. I mean, again, beautiful island here, beautiful island vistas on the Bored Apes Island. I don't hate the instrumental so this far. This is not also. a gimmick. Why the full of digits? <laughs> I was putting work in when they did it's not a bad it's not a bad full rapper. of GMs. This no, no, like the, the sound Spend itself is savings bad. on a project worth a lot of bands. Now I can take a flight anywhere, met a mass sign anywhere. I can cop a board ape, join a yacht club. They don't understand. I like the board ape actually doing rap hands. Now I don't take advice anymore. Probably cop a spaceship with some subwoofers and some lasers and take yeah. it to the subwoofers in the spaceship. <laughs> to the moon. To the moon. I, I know you have a different worldview on this stuff, but like the idea of people thinking this is like what coolness is and that you're riding on a spaceship with your monkey avatars. I, I don't know, Pete. I'm not there. It's kind of got an earworm vibe too, where it goes on me now. That's the second time I'm hearing it. If it wasn't about fucking bored apes, this song would actually be cool. I like how it's kind of like moody and it takes its time, like getting to its. I brought it to the show thinking it would be like it, this is like an Island Boys thing where we bring it here, we do it, and it's like actually no, it's actually not that bad. I think it's kind of grown on me. I, I like the song. I mean, the the subject matter is just incredibly cringe. I mean, yeah, the, I, heard... I mean, what the fuck is this like? E.T. <laughs> it is yeah, it's inspired they're going to the moon pete uh thank you for uh bringing that into my life i just had to share it with somebody like i have no other venues to i'm not gonna start tweeting mean things apparently uh k thor the writer i was talking about was getting like uh, getting botted by a guy who's a bored apes pusher on there too and was sending his e-girl bot accounts after <laughs> this world that you live in pete i just can't wrap my head around i know Iceman saying i'm a boomer if this is the one thing that makes me a boomer i will accept it and wear it as a badge with pride i guess i'm just uh, i feel bad for that artist that he wasted like a pretty good instrumental and pretty good vibe on on that subject matter i feel like he could have had an actual interesting radio hit there so there you go. If you want to go check it out, if people ask it if it's on Spotify, go search D-List Your Ape. That's the hottest jam in the streets. People saying it's not terrible. I Look, I honestly, I, I watched it on my phone and was like, oh, this is so bad. And now that we watched it back here, I feel like I'm embarrassed because like, it's actually, it's it's not terrible. The, the it, animation what style is cringy. Is it, what the, just the premise of it is yeah. is awful, but it, the execution was, if, if, if you were given that task to make a song about Bored Apes, like he did it about as well as you could do it. Uh, so I, I'm impressed at how, uh, not awful that was, to be honest. I'm glad that we, we experienced it together then. And, you know, maybe that'll pump up the board apes pricing. I'm sure they need it. They needed that splash play bump. And if, if the price <laughs> goes up from here on forward, it's just entirely due to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, shout out to, uh, this guy who found a way to, to make a banger and pump his bags at the same time.
Uh, let's talk about the NFL, though, because we got our own board apes. But first of all, let's give a plug to Football Outsiders. I got to make sure to do that. FootballOutsiders.com slash subscribe. Still quality data going on. Actually, a lot of fun offseason stuff coming up as well over at Football Outsiders. So get in the mix. Just 99 cents a week over at FootballOutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, one of the cheapest data packages you'll find out there for a lot of quality data that will help you make better lineups over at FootballOutsiders.com slash subscribe. But, Pete, the big news this weekend, a weird timing for a firing, but Urban Meyer gets fired. Daryl Bevel is going to be named the interim head coach. Reports coming out this week that Urban Meyer's, I know you had this in the Fantasy Life newsletter, but Urban Meyer reportedly kicked Josh Lambeau in the preseason after Josh Lambeau, who is a kicker, could not make kicks. And, you know, great way to prove a point, Pete. But uh, I have to ask, I guess, overall thoughts. And I, I'll ask a bigger discussion point, but just what do you think, first of all, about Urban Meyer getting fired? I'm I'm glad that this happened. At, at some point you go, oh, this team... They just, you know, they're resigned to this. They say, oh, well, we paid him all this money. We gave him a five-year contract. Let's let him let the year ride out. But he literally did everything wrong um, on the field, off the field, uh, distractions, not maximizing talent, literally kicking players. I mean, I, I'm just glad that they, they ejected from this situation because you see organizations both with coaches and players and bad evals like, they're stubborn. They want to save face. They want to try to prove that they were right. Uh, as evidenced by <laughs> look at Rashad Petty <laughs> get to get a starting mm -hmm. workload this week after, you know, having a pretty tumultuous, uh, tumultuous career after getting drafted in the first round. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see him go. And, uh, I do, I feel like Trevor Lawrence up to this point has been a tough eval of like, he hasn't been good, but it's also hard to fully untangle from how bad Urban Meyer has been. And now they have two really easy matchups over the next two weeks against the Texans and the Jets. And I'm kind of excited to see if this team has any life. I could definitely see this be like, all right, our spirits are high. Urban Meyer's out. Let's let's play our hearts out for these next few games. Yeah, I think it's I think there could be a little bit of a, of a dead cat bounce, so to speak, which feels like a phrase we shouldn't say anymore, but it refers to stock prices. And I think uh, dead cats won't be picketing our, our studio anytime soon. Uh, but I would say that, like, I just think Urban Meyer overall, like the higher I think the hire might be the worst coach hire overall because you're talking about a guy who's coming in with a good amount of pedigree, who was on TV, who is clearly, you know, somebody that I'd wanted at some point to get hired by USC. I, I've always had Lincoln Riley as my guy, and I will stand by that. I've mentioned that in content for the last four to five years. Vernon Meyer was rumored at one point. I would have been totally stoked to have him back in college, and maybe it is a college versus the pros thing. But clearly, the messaging not not quite landing the same way. The follow-up question I'm going to have for you, Pete. Is Urban Meyer, to you, the worst coach you've seen in the NFL? And I think it's an important distinction, too, because I think he's the worst coach hire ever in the NFL, but I don't know that he's the worst coach. Yeah, so I guess are you separating? Because I think the thing that um, makes him so awful is just that it was in all facets, right? Where mm -hmm. it was like the off-the-field stuff, his decision-making, Iceman here commenting that, uh he didn't pay any attention to the defense and then essentially was not allowing Bevel to do anything on offense. It just seemed like he fucked up in every way. Maybe he wasn't the worst X's and O's guy. Maybe he wasn't the worst at every specific thing, but across his portfolio of responsibilities as a coach, I think it's hard to find someone who failed uh, at those things as, as much as he did. With Gem, Gem City saying Josh McDaniels was so bad in Denver, didn't he win a playoff game with Tebow against Gem City, I presume his own Steelers? And so this is the thing about McDaniels is, and it, this goes back to kind of, and I remember this uh, clearly when he came in there, uh, 
because he made some immediate moves. He ran Jay Cutler out of town. He ran Brandon Marshall out of town, Peyton Hillis, like all of the most exciting Broncos at the time. But he actually did install a good offense where he maximized the players. He, he Kyle Orton led the Broncos to a 6-0 and start uh, with McDaniels. They beat the Patriots at home. That was when McDaniels like acted like it was his Super Bowl beating the, uh, him. So like I would never compare what, urban Meyer did at like a failure on all levels. I mean, McDaniel started that season six and oh, so yeah, uh, he's up there just from more of a GM side of overreaching. Uh, but yeah, nowhere on the level of, uh, urban Meyer. The one that came to mind with me, and it's honestly for some of our younger viewers out there, you guys might not even remember this that well, but Bobby Petrino was the one that I was like, that had to be the worst hire ever uh, because he took over that team, thought Mike Vick was going to be there. Mike Vick then goes to jail for his dog fighting charges. Petrino then kind of submarines the team, ends up leaving. But the thing is like, Petrino was three and 10 when he quit. And apparently the way that he quit, I was catching up on, he left a, a four, like a four line note in each player's locker. And that was how he quit. But he won three, like he won three games. So he won more games at Urban Meyer. And this guy that I've held in my head is like, this is as bad as it gets. He's been a joke in college football since, but like he still had a better record than Urban Meyer. And, and I think there are some things Urban Meyer has done well this year. Like I know our play calling we have for edge sports where we do uh, basically play calls, looking through every fourth down uh, call that guys make. And you normally should be going for it. If it's like fourth and three, fourth and two, pretty much anywhere on the field to add to your win probability. And that's based off historical data sizes of every situation. That's a fourth and two, fourth and three and how it results the teams winning. And Urban Meyer was actually going for it more than most coaches in the league, trying to increase that variance and was doing some smart things. The fact though, that he couldn't win more games than Bobby Petrino without Mike Vick, like, I think in recent memory, he probably just has to go in the worst, you know, worst hire and and maybe worst coach, even if he did the best he could to, I guess, make the situation better. But James Robinson being bad, Visca being worse, like DJ Chark being hurt. We can't really grade that one. It's just hard to say he did anything good for the organization. So I think I'm with you on that front. Yeah. And I, I just really I want to reboot on, you know, Trevor Lawrence was just a rock solid prospect. I mean, people kind of put him in the level of prospect of Andrew Luck. Um, and, and there's no reason we shouldn't be able to give him a fair shake now with just uh, a coach that isn't an absolute idiot. Yeah. And I do think there were some things that we talked about with the draft with, you know, Trevor Lawrence to me graded out similarly to Mac Jones guys that were getting a lot of yards after catch and were pretty accurate in short throws, less accurate on deep balls. But like, I think if you switch those two guys spots, Trevor Lawrence would be, I think would actually be getting MVP votes. People have made that, that Mac Jones case a little bit. And I think after the Buffalo game, going to be hard to make that case even more with him just throwing a handful of times in that one. But I think if you switch these guys careers, it probably would have looked a lot better for Trevor Lawrence and, and hopefully whoever they get in, I think that's got to be priority. Number one for the Jaguars, bringing in a coach who's going to help Trevor Lawrence unleash whatever he has, whether he's a system QB like Mac Jones might be, or if he's a guy that can get the ball downfield, I think uh, that has to be the way that they approach that and probably bump Trevor Lawrence up your best ball bar, uh, best ball boards. If you are, drafted now um an actual injury pete deandre hopkins out the rest of the season after knee surgery james connor also hasn't practiced this week after a late game injury on monday night football who would you trust in a potential smash spot against detroit with both guys potentially out yeah i mean amon ross st brown has been the guy back-to-back -back games uh with 12 targets so he's kind of interesting but you also just have to worry about this offense imploding. Like we kind of saw, I feel like Amon Ra is similar to the Jamison Crowder setup for the Jets last week, where it's like Elijah Moore's out, uh, Michael Carter's out, Jamison Crowder, like he should get 10 targets in this spot, but then the offense just implodes because they're not able to move the ball, get first downs. And so I think that's the risk here. And it's actually going to probably be the story of this slate. There's going to be so many guys who project as really good points per dollar plays because of the value uh, in the targets opening up. But it's like, 
can these offenses actually move the ball and stay in games? You you have to assume the Cardinals just absolutely pancake them here. And I, I'd be a little concerned that, you know, Detroit is going to be able to have some offense. I guess the counter argument you can make is that Detroit has been a fairly plucky squad throughout the whole season. They haven't really given up in these games. They're willing to kind of hang in there, throw the ball in the fourth quarter. Like they're not like the Falcons, you know, who will just like start running the ball and wave the white flag. So maybe, maybe I could talk myself into a Monroe St. Brown, but this feels like a no bring back territory for me. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable one. And I would say the status of Chase Edmonds is going to be very important to watch this week. Christian Kirk, we know, gets the boost historically with DeAndre Hopkins out. Also, A.J. Green certainly going to get a little more looks, even though he's been good, even in games with DeAndre Hopkins available. But for me, the Edmonds part's a really important one, where if Connor ends up out, I think Edmonds could end up getting a lot of that workload. And then, of course, he'll still end up sucking in Eno Benjamin or whatever other flotsam running back will end up having the good day against Detroit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, also out of practice so far this week with his ankle issues. Seems like he's not going to play against the Green Bay this week, Pete. I feel like a 19 point implied total. I feel like there may be a, bit of, a little bit of more of a hedge if we thought that Lamar was going to make it in. Seeing that low of a total, I think it's got to be another Tyler Huntley week. Yeah, I saw, yeah, 20 minutes ago, uh, Mike uh, Garofolo said it's an uphill battle for Lamar Jackson to play against the Packers on Sunday. So that does not sound uh, good to me. And uh, as well as Tyler Huntley played, I feel like that has to give the team a little bit of confidence. This is a, a rough spot for them though, versus green Bay. Who's been playing really well. So, um, yeah, we, uh, the Ravens might be some of my low ball picks today. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I think that might be a reasonable approach to have. And Lamar will certainly update tomorrow when we do the show. Um, I no, no guests this week, right? Or are we going to try to go on? The- I, I have not booked a guest yet. We can confer about that and, uh, and reach out. Okay, so we'll, we'll figure it out, but maybe a guess tomorrow. Either way, we'll certainly have all the news updates we normally do, along with the ride or die picks. And now we're on to the COVID part of the segment where um, I got my booster yesterday, Pete. This morning, I kind of spent the morning laying on my studio floor, like not really able to function. But honestly, less bad for me as uh, somebody got two Modernas and one Pfizer with the booster here. Like, I feel like the Moderna may be getting the higher dosage earlier. I don't know if you've gotten your booster yet, but not as bad of an experience other than me just feeling kind of foggy to start the day. Yeah, I got mine on Monday morning and I never okay. I never had any side effects. I feel like I was fortunate because both my initial vaccine, the two shots and the booster, I never had a single uh side effect. So I don't know. I ran pretty pure in that regard. Yeah, I don't I don't honestly based on some of the articles I've been reading, I don't know how much it actually matters, but we got a we got a baby on the way, so I'm trying to keep it uh close to the vest as much as possible, but Washington apparently not keeping it close to the vest despite having a, a coach that had went into the media talking about he's recovering from cancer. Certainly you would think a little more caution. The Washington football team, Pete, 21 players on the COVID list in advance of their game at Philly. Uh, no one really a fantasy consequence. And in fact, Terry McLaurin looks like he's going to make it back after having a concussion last week. But just so many COVID players, I feel like this week we talked about it a little bit. There's going to be some more fantasy relevant players who are also added to the COVID list that we'll talk about in a second. But 21 players, I'm going to say I'll go on the record i'll take my hot take here too many players on the COVID list you can't have more than 20 uh, yeah it's it's honestly absurd uh sharp football analysis they have a COVID tracker and just like you can go team by team looking at all the players and it it, it like almost is to the point where you're like i can't believe we're even playing this week you go and look across all the totals i mean the highest total on the slate is Arizona Detroit 47 and a half. And so it's all carried by Arizona. The other high total is Atlanta, San Francisco, all carried by San Francisco. It's just like, none of these games are interesting. Even Seattle, Los Angeles, which I was kind of looking forward to, you know, you lose Odell Beckham, you lose Tyler Lockett. Like 
I, it's just, this whole slate is such a shit show. Yeah. And I think that's the issue too, with the 18, uh, you know, 18 week season that we're going to have this year where a lot of people are concerned about injuries. Like a lot of these COVID tests are coming and, and NBA, uh, any NBA fans out there are going to know the bulls this week, actually getting some games postponed because they just didn't have enough guys to field a team. The NFL should have enough guys with their practice squads being able to pull those. Uh, so hopefully no postponements, but I think like the injuries are something people talked about, but it's more that these guys are getting COVID tested after Thanksgiving, you know, they're going to get COVID tested after Christmas and new year's too. And that's week 17, week 18. I think it could actually get worse. And that's something that that I would say freaks me out, but it just makes me more like it might not be fun. I think for the GPP players that players out there, the people putting in 150 lineups, you probably feel good. But if you're a hand builder, like, and I know Pete, that you were representing the brand about as well as you can, of course, with your merch and all that. I just don't know how you even parse through the data. Like just prepping for the show today was kind of a nightmare. Yeah, the the prep stuff. I I think I am going to scale back my play this week. Maybe focus on two lineups instead of you know three to four. Just because this is also going to be a slate where there's going to be ton of late swap potential. Um, just with if we, I assume we'll get a bunch of inactives at 11:30 Eastern, and we'll also get a bunch at 3 p.m. before that second block. So I'm going to want to be able to be nimble and make a ton of decisions. So yeah, I'm already leaning toward not uh overextending myself yeah i think it's the same boat for me i might not even play the saturday slate honestly though one weird thing i don't know if you did your price analysis for the saturday slate um they mispriced mo ali cox and he's 2400 at tight end even though there's never been a 2400 tight end ever and i don't know if that's one of those dk things they let slide or you know fan duel with Taysom hill being a tight end that one week and it's like is Mo Ali cox can you play it a crazy amount just for that hundred dollar savings because i feel like that's how a two-game saturday slate would go yeah, I just quickly uh, was running the Sims on uh, on that slate just to see if anything uh, jumped out. It doesn't look like he's popping in uh, in the in the run the Sims Sims, but who knows? Uh, who knows? It actually, I think the the reason he might not as well is because uh, David Njoku is returning um, this week, and because they're pretty depleted at, I think he's going to project better at twenty eight hundred. So maybe Mo Ali Cox actually stays in check there. Yeah, and also uh, in that same game with Cleveland, we do have David Njoku, as Pete mentioned, back activated. Also, Jamarcus Bradley activated because there's going to be no Baker Mayfield, it looks like. Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, also on the COVID protocol list. And Darren Waller also trending towards being out in that game. And Saturday slates, I feel like a two-gamer in the NFL can always get ugly. A two-gamer in any sport really can get ugly. Um, the NBA has had some similar ones, too, where you just end up playing. Everybody plays the same value because somebody gets ruled out. But this Saturday slate, I feel like might be particularly ugly in a way that uh, DFS-wise, we don't see very often if you have that many guys out for Cleveland and I will say I'll plant my flag now Marcus Bradley pretty live as a play I'd say yeah um I hadn't I hadn't that one hadn't crossed my my mind yet but oh I, really I you were, you were uh, grinding <laughs> tape on Jamarcus Bradley here his one game I remember when he blew up um it was last year where who was um, Marvin Hall Marvin Hall was the Browns chalk and then fucking Jamarcus Bradley had five catches for 60 yards and I, those things stick with me as much as any success I've ever had in DFS yeah, you know, uh, I, I think you got to I think you got to run that strategy back. Other COVID news, Jalen Waddle on the COVID list as well before they play the Jets. We talked about the running back situation earlier in the week, but looking like Duke Johnson and Malcolm Brown are uh, going to be the only available running backs for Miami. Pete, anybody you would trust in the spot with no Jalen Waddle, it's looking like and and a really depleted running back core against the Jets team. It's given up production to everybody they play. Yeah, um, they have been just a team that uh has been giving up a ton of points so I, i'm definitely 
uh, happy to uh, to attack them this week, uh, depending on how stuff shakes out. Uh, like you said, it's just so hard to even. I, I'm so lost with, you know, ownership is what drives a lot of my decision making, and it's just like there's no good way to project who is going to be super popular uh, right now. Uh, I think once we have a grip on the slate, people will become like slightly more overconfident in plays that maybe they shouldn't that because they project slightly better. So my, my hope is this actually ends up being a good GPP slate. The ownership, it does seem like not really pushing towards anybody, at least the awesome ownership that I saw Cooper Cup going to be highly owned as he is every week. And uh, besides that, it seems pretty flat, though. James Robinson actually, Osmo has his chalk, which uh, what an FU game he could have potentially at 15% ownership going against Houston. We'll see how if that number holds up heading into tomorrow. Any other COVID news that we got right before the show? Tyler Lockett on the COVID list alongside Alex Collins. Alex Collins kind of being rendered uh, useless as a guy who was just a free agent signing, really a practice squad signing. Um, and they were going more with Rashad Penny, who they have to be drafted capital invested in but Tyler Lockett being out also happens to pair Pete with DK Metcalf not practicing yesterday kind of assume that's maintenance practice but if Lockett doesn't end about are you willing to go heavy on DK Metcalf I mean I I told you before the show real quick we were looking at stuff that I was excited to play DK Metcalf because I think people were kind of sick of him um he's been you know I saw the viral tweets it was like you know a photo of Cooper uh of Cooper Cup Hunter Renfro basically the same thing these days like wide receiver 3 over the past 4 weeks and then a, sh- a shredded picture of DK Metcalf shirtless and he was like wide receiver 87 <laughs> over the past 3 weeks so it seemed like everyone was getting pretty fed up with it um but now DK Metcalf is going to project super, super well without Lockett. Um, you're you're going to be able to project him for 10 targets in this spot. So, um, yeah, it's it's not as exciting uh, anymore. I'm, I'm guessing he ends up uh, being a fairly popular high-end play. You're going to be one of those slates where you're going to have to pay attention on tomorrow's splash play and, of course, on Saturday as well for the news because some of these guys could be vaccinated. Then they just need two negative tests to get out of the protocol. If they're not vaccinated, they're probably not going to get off of it, but uh, something we'll be watching here. And other injuries I just noted here, Aaron Jones not practicing yet this week. Tony Pollard back at practice, though. um, The way that I read it was like they were treating it like it was a star sighting in one of those gossip magazines from back in the day where like Tony Pollard spotted at practice. I don't know if that means he's (laughs) actually doing anything with his, his foot issues, Pete, but these injuries, Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, or any others? Do they do anything for you? Yeah, Greg mentions one that we should hit on with with Jalen Waddle out. The when I did run my early stuff, uh, Tua jumped out as kind of the best value quarterback um, at fifty seven hundred, and Waddle looked really good. Uh, and now he's gone. So Parker's forty three hundred, similar to the DK Metcalf stuff. I mean, Waddle's been commanding. 10, 10 targets a game, essentially. So now Parker is going to look um, incredibly well. And I'm guessing, my guess is Cooper Cup and Devontae Parker are the two most popular wide receiver plays on the slate because um, Parker will project so well. And then there's so much savings that people are going to get up to Cooper Cup. Yeah, Parker, cheap price tag. I'd have him projected for about 15 and a half fantasy points right now. And you'll have your Albert Wilsons, your Mike Kosicki's as guys you can maybe go to as pivot points. Uh, Preston Williams, too, should probably get a little more run outside. But um, we'll, we'll see if there's any more items coming out about that game and the snap counts that we could expect coming up on tomorrow's show. But Pete, uh, now's the time. Do you want to do numbers don't lie or the low probability crystal ball? And, and worth pointing out to the chat, we're going chat versus us in low ball this week. We're not going to do any sort of uh, bringing somebody on the stream just for this week. Nothing against Paul last week. He did a great job filling in for us as we tried to navigate the chaos that this show can be when getting on a viewer guest. But I just think, Pete, we just need to go back to basics here and we're going to have the chat answer some numbers and give their picks that way. 
Yes. You know, we flew a little too close to the sun uh, with thinking we could just, you know, randomly do these Twitter things and then no one wanted to come on. Too many people wanted to come on uh, and we need to get organized. So we're going to get back to a, a chat sourced uh, low ball and uh, and I think it'll be better. Maybe we'll get our shit together, find another way for people who are one available. That is the most key thing. And two, uh, really want to be on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way to make it happen. All right, so your choice, dealer's choice, Pete. Numbers don't lie or low probability crystal ball. Where do you want to go next? Um, Let's do... Why don't you... Uh, yeah, why don't you do numbers don't lie? All right, let's do... We'll do the easy one, then Nana Pete will make her triumphant return after we get numbers don't lie out of the way, of course. The segment where I read three stats, two of them are going to be true, one of them is going to be a lie, and Pete, as he's been doing every fucking week, is going to guess it correctly and going to make this segment completely useless because I've apparently been figured out as the, the wordsmith I am. Pete, are you ready for another easy victory here in numbers don't lie? Yes. I, what Have you been keeping track of my record on these lately? No, I'm on no fire. I have not. But I, I know I, we're going on like at least a month of you just fucking trouncing me at every turn. <laughs> ha, well, have you have you tried to up your game at all to try to make this tougher on me? I, I think I did this week, but I guess we can find out. I I, I used the I can't I can't reveal the game theory behind it, but I, I did try to make some adjustments this week that maybe will catch you catch your fancy. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe next week, if you remind me, if you're up for it, maybe we could turn the tables and I could, uh, try to come up with one to stump you. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but of course it's time for numbers. Don't lie. So hit that like button. Otherwise Pete won't be able to guess this and make me feel bad about my show prep once again, but here's the first stat up. It's, it's been assumed that Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris will have their value dragged down by a timeshare at running back for new England, but maybe things change where their game versus Buffalo in week 12, Harris and Stevenson played 22 and 20 snaps respectively with 19 going to Brandon Bolden. But in week 13 against Buffalo, despite a run heavy plan, Stevenson played 32 snaps to Harris as 12 with just six going to Brandon Bolden. Pete, a good snap count stat. How does that read to you? Well, Damian Harris left that game um, with an injury for a spell. And so that would account for that. He did later come back in the game. Um, but yeah, that snap count disparity would be accounted for based on the injury. So that one checks out to me so far. All right. Another AFC stat here. Jonathan Taylor is looking a lot, a lot like an RB one this year and potentially next year in the draft, but as he headed towards and uh, being an all time, great Taylor's 89.9 rushing yards per game in his first 28 games with making sixth of all time behind guys like Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, Terrell Davis, and Eric Dickerson, as well as somebody named Lionel Vital, who played three games in his career. Yeah, 80. How many yards a game did you say? 89.9, 28 games. Yeah. Um, over. So that's over his entire career, you're saying, includes last yes. year? Yeah, so basically, yes, these would be career-long numbers. I was trying to find hmm. first 13 games numbers, but StatMuse is not the most helpful in any way. Hmm. Then that's interesting, because I, I know he finished the season strong last year, but the early part of his stuff. I mean, he, he definitely had lots of games that were way lower than that in yardage. All right. My spidey sense is tingling on that one. And then uh, just a quick chat read here from Mark saying Pete knows that Spags makes his lies too convoluted and complex based lies off partial truths is the key. Mark, if you think <laughs> I haven't tried different philosophies here. <laughs> what to tell you? I think it's just what practice you've been stepped up to bat for this now, like 30 something times. So I think he just figured me out around time 20. 
I like this quote way more if you just take it completely out of context of this segment. <laughs> Pete knows Spags makes his lies too convoluted and complex. Base lies off of partial truths is the key. It's like, what show did I wander into? Mark's just our couples therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, last stat here out of the guys leading the league in targets per route, excluding low sample size guys, Cooper cup still leads the league with a 31% target per route run rate followed by Ramondre Stevenson at 30.6 Cordell Patterson at 30% coming in at number 375 on the year. Urban Meyer, refugee, LaVisca Chenault, a man who's 11.9% target per route run rate. will put him in a group with luminaries like John Bates, Jason Cabinda and Blake Jarwin. Yeah. So you had been doing the thing when you, invoke LaVisca you try to like get me to go the other direction in that one and so I do think you changed up your strategy here and that LaVisca one is true and I think the Jonathan Taylor one is the lie well Pete I've got news for you your streak has come to an end LaVisca Chenault is not as terrible as I just made it sound he is in fact whereas he he is number 134 in target per route run rate with a respectable 20 percent around guys like Ashton Doolin Jalen Samuels Kalen Balazs and Alex Madison so I think those guys feel more appropriate he's not quite John Bates here yet so good news even though you did get that wrong you got me Spags you got me uh and I needed uh, this win I needed this win and I should have known things are about to turn around big for Visca. He he wasn't being slandered and numbers don't lie. Urban Meyer is gone. Every everything's coming around. Yeah, I called about Urban Meyer a refugee, so that makes him seem more like a victim, like it's not his fault. And we'll find I, this week he's gonna have like 10 targets for 150 yards, and it's gonna be completely logical, and it'll be like, well, fuck me. Yeah, I uh I have to uh I have to play Visca in some lineups this week. I absolutely have to. Dan Ross saying what everybody's really thinking. Marvin Jones week. I think we can all we can all agree that's the move. Uh, he had a run in with Urban Meyer, which we did not see reports of Visca having. Uh, but um, important thing to note here: got the paint job cleared up. Pete's not ugly yellow walls anymore. Undefeated in the photo, ph uh, photography sound here. Gray walled room. Uh, yeah, it's looking good. It's looking Thank good you. every way. I, I do think the the light blue on the gray uh, looks good. And now look at this just kind of recessed neon lighting consistency we have here and it also like the way our couch levels is almost at the exact Ooh. same level as the yellow the sand for our background so then we have the sky blue i mean it's it's really perfect things are really coming together for the show besides the content that we put out week after week <laughs> oh yeah i mean as long as we can get the the setup and the you know the overlay is good then that's all that matters yeah that's an, enough sleight of hand that you'll think it's a good show even though we're doing the exact yeah. same shit we always do but pete it sounds like it's time to hit the low probability crystal ball do you feel ready does nana pete feel ready for that one she's never ready she, oh, how wow, could she be I don't know where my blankets are. One second. <laughs> if you're if you're new to this segment, here's where we're going to put on our soothsaying hats and look into our little crystal balls to determine uh, some of the low probability events that could happen this weekend. And uh, normally this would be me putting on my soothsayer voice, but I feel weird getting the character before Pete's in character. And I'm sure that Nana Pete will bring some, some top buttocks to the table. Um, and also make sure you hit that like button here. We got almost 60 people watching 18 likes on Pete's channel. Help us out. Hit that like button. Gives us a little bit of love in a way that will get us seen by more people. And uh, let me get into my, my really mystical character where I look into my crystal ball and do what the bit initially intended. But Nana Pete, you've taken it a different direction that some could say has improved it and changed it in a variety of ways. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just happy to be here and, 
Yeah, I'll not. I don't want to lie. A lot of recent events have taken me back to my childhood. The Spanish flu in 1918, wiping out many of my friends. And now another flu, a COVID flu, taking away my beautiful buttocks. No Jalen Waddle this week, a beautiful butt. No... Lamar Jackson, a fine tushy, and it's just sad. It's really sad. Uh, I have this man in the chat saying, my wife just said, unfortunately, I am not new to this segment, which I think sums up this bit pretty well. Don't let those views drop out there, everyone. This was one thing we could do is keep the views up and prove this segment's viable. I don't like the uh, premium your generation puts on views. Back in my day, we'd put on plays and we would go in the theater in the round and we would perform for performance sake, not for some bullshit engagement farming and likes and tweets. It disgusts me. It is disgusting that you've been able to turn those into a career for yourself off of one or two viral TikToks primarily. I don't know what you're talking about. The only TikTok that I care about is that on my Grandmaster clock, which I reference throughout the day to know the time. <laughs> Your Grandmaster clock? So it's a rapper that breaks into 80s beats from time to time? No, it's a, it's an eight-foot-tall clock, and it has a swinging pendulum, and it goes tick-tock, tick-tock all day and i am able to metaphorically set my watch to it i believe that's called a grandfather clock unless there's been a pc change but i don't want to speak ill to my elders of course no 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 you ignorant you generation don't know what back in my day there were grandmaster clocks it plays chess as dane says <laughs> grandmaster clock and i'm here to say i'm gonna give you the time today <laughs> I don't like your tone. What are we doing here? Are we looking into a crystal ball? Or are we talking about my clocks? We are, in fact, looking into a crystal ball. And since you brought us the joys of your clock, I'll offer up my first low probability prediction for the week. And I see it's a bit of a hazy week here, a virus-filled crystal ball, uh, little germs and little DNA strands, mRNA strands, as we call them, all over the place of this crystal ball. But I got a hot take for you, Nana Pete. The New York Jets, a team that everyone's left for the dumpsters, including their own players, Elijah Moore, not going to be playing. Corey Davis, he said, uh, cut me up and shit. Shift me out is what he said. But this week, Pete, not only will they beat the Miami Dolphins in Miami, they'll beat the South Beach, South Beach flu. And also they will put up one millionaire maker winning player of unknown origin. I don't know which one. <laughs> My goodness. The amount of predictions you just saw in that crystal ball is good. Can it even fit in there? I'm wondering where you found such ludicrous prognostications. Well, the ring light makes it look as though there actually is some sort of mystical quality to my ball, an energy orb just sitting within it. And even though it is, in fact, just lighting making me look slightly less onerous. Can you tell me, because when I head down to South Beach uh, and I see welcome to Miami, bienvenidos a uh, <laughs> Miami, all I see is one giant, round, juicy but that belongs to one Mr. Devante Parker. 
He's going to get 14 targets and catch one ball between his butt cheeks. <laughs> He's going to score a touchdown with the ball wedged in that big, beautiful ass. So the reverse of the butt fumble, the butt reception coming Devontae Parker's way in Miami Beach, the home of big booties, which does speak to your ethos, Nana Pete. It's going to be the butt catch heard around the world, and who knows, maybe it will inspire a vaccine to the South Beach flu. It'll be so inspiring. <laughs> well, I suppose that uh, you're keeping it on brand with the butt-based picks here. Uh, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler's asking a question. We do have the crystal balls out. Should I Tyler! Start I'm so glad you're here. What we do is we will answer any start, sit questions, add drops, waiver wires, trade questions, anything you want. We are here. Should I start Devante Parker? Well, I don't know if you just heard, but he is going to be catching a touchdown pass with his butt. And I can certainly say Chase Claypool with that string bane ass of his isn't catching shit. So Tyler, I hope you have your answer. Well, full PPR, that means points per rump, which I presume is going to look very favorably upon Devante Parker. I like what you did there, Spags. You're learning, you're growing. Good good for one every show is what I'd say, and I suppose that means I have to give one more pick here. And a low-probability play, how about this one? Cam Newton playing the Buffalo Bills, a team that's going to play angry after another embarrassing defeat for themselves and possibly an injury to Josh Allen, though the implied total does not seem to reflect that, according to my crystal ball. But how about this? Cam Newton starts the game, Pete, but P.J. Walker rises from the ashes and outscores him in fantasy points, taking snaps away, beat by... I beat. I'm glad you brought up PJ Walker because he was going to be a topic of conversation in lowball this week. I didn't know <laughs> if he was going to be fair play because boy, did I want to put that ass in my lineup. PJ Walker riding the pine, getting splinters in his ass, coming in for one snap and getting me a sweet, sweet point three points in my lineup. So what does it say, Spags? Is PJ Walker fair game or not? I think he would be if Marcus Mariota's been fair game, who played one snap last week, and P.J. Walker played, I believe, 15. My crystal ball of football outsider snap counts was telling me before the show. Okay, all right. Whatever you say, then I guess we will have to discuss in the next segment. We will, but that means that you owe us one more prediction, Nana Pete, be it booty-related or any other parts. Are there other body parts you find yourself drawn to? People are pointing out that you are a bit of an ass woman. I I am an ass woman through and through. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I like a couple meat potatoes on the old chest, but I've always been drawn to the caboose. Are, are meat potatoes referring to testicles? Don't ask questions you don't want to hear the answer to. <laughs> so, what are Gibblers then? <laughs> I I, this is a family show. Have some sense of respect. I am just cursing willy nilly according to Nana Pete language. That's my bad. People watch this show for information to make actionable decisions in their fantasy leagues. We can't be distracted talking about titty tassels <laughs> and meat potato anyway <laughs> what's the second low probability pick nana pete 
I would like to go back to a young gentleman that I used to play Red Rover with on the schoolyard. <laughs> Red Rocket? What? Red Rover. Red Rover. Send C.D. Lamb right over. This man, he's like the month of March. It'll come in like a lion and out like a lamb. And that's what Lamb is going to do this week. He's going to come in like a lion, like a Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's going to exit like C.D. Lamb scoring 200 fantasy points. You heard me. 200 fantasy points on his own. The meat potatoes it would take to score that many fantasy points. (laughs) Too many. See, also, uh, looking at my low probability crystal ball pretty fast, C.D. Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott not being on the COVID list this year, if I'm remembering correctly, that's got to be pretty low probability. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about it. But just put C.D. Lamb in your lineups and the wool that you will harvest from him could make you a nice coat. Little Lamb Chop going to be making his return. I didn't say Lamb Chop. We will preserve his innards, okay? (laughs) But we will take the wool to keep us warm throughout the winter. And we will metaphorically feast upon his meat potatoes, I am sure. No, 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 no. Do not talk about that man's meat potatoes. I got it. Okay, see, see, let's cut. Meat potatoes. I know it's an improv bit, but meat potatoes really just led me in a very evocative direction. You're so immature, Spags. That's true. I am. I should just listen and just like we do with all the old people, just nod along and go. That's a good point. That's definitely. <laughs> um, all right. I guess we got to do. Do we want to do low ball first, or we want to do Thursday night football? I'm. I'm... <laughs> the the boosters catching up to me. The vapors. The vapors are getting. Yeah. Let's uh. Let's do low ball. All right, let's do low ball. So let's pull it up. Of course, the goal of low ball every week is to build the lowest scoring lineup possible. And and I think, I, you know, again, there's another one we're not keeping records for. A damn shame that is. Pretty sure I've won the same amount of low ball times as you have. Are you sure about that? I think I've won three. I've won at least two. I'm pretty sure I've won three. And we've mm. been going since Al Zeidenfeld was on the show because we had him on. We did That was our special segment. Every time we have a guest on, we do a special segment for them. And Al, we just decided we were going to keep the segment. <laughs> we, said, we said, thanks, Al. Let's, uh, that one's ours now. And then we've beaten it into the ground and, and really made it, uh, made it our own in a variety of special ways. All right. Whatever you say, uh, I feel like I definitely have the best all-time record, though. I think the Mortgage King has the best all-time record. No, no. no. I mean, it's small sample size. That's true. It is. It is small sample size, but let's do it. Pete, give the people the our various qualifiers here about what what we can play, what we can't play. People are trying to play at home and do their own low ball lineups, actually, as they will be doing in chat here to make their own shitty lineup uh, to compete against us this week. This is honestly probably one of the best low ball weeks ever because you don't have to deal with all the actual good value opening up. You can still just try to uh, to get some of the the high price guys that are overpriced into your lineups here. So yes, great low ball week. We are going to try to create the lowest possible scoring lineup here. You're trying to get the least amount of points of the competition. You do have to use at least 49,500 of your 50,000 in salary. Also, if you pick someone who doesn't end up playing or doesn't end up seeing a snap, you take 20 points at that spot. So it's a pretty big risk if you're taking a guy who is questionable or looking doubtful. We do need to discuss though, are we allowing the gimmick quarterback move? Because it's such a 
giant advantage when you can get, say, a one or two pointer from a position that's going to average around 15 points otherwise. So here's the thing, Pete. We're competing against the chat. The chat maybe can go third, and we can both get our shitty QBs and stomp the chat along the way, and then they won't have a PJ Walker or a Marcus Mariota to turn to. Colluding, so, perhaps. There could be three this week because there's another guy that I think I would even take over Mariota for hmm. for this, which is it's an even riskier one, but there's some rumblings. Interesting. All right. So I feel like we keep it for this week then now that you've you've clickbaited me. <laughs> I'll I'll go this. I'll go third. I will go third to okay. uh to in that way if you in the chat want the the other two, you can. All right, so chat, start getting ready to drop a pick in there. Again, as we just talked about, probably going to be a good move to take one of the limited snap QBs in the hopes of uh, keeping your, your potential ceiling that high. As we saw last week, Pete played Davis Mills. Davis Mills, not good, but still put up a lot more fantasy points than a Mariota or P.J. Walker will. And with that in mind, I'm going to call a man down to the podium who's very familiar with his low ball position, but this is honestly the most useful he's been in DFS all year. Marcus Mariota, come on down, number one overall pick. All right, Mariota it is. Um. Oh wait, no, he's on the Saturday. Oh, he's not on the slate. Modern. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Well, no penalty for taking a guy not on the slate. Thankfully, so I'll just take PJ Walker instead. Nope, God, wow. <laughs> PJ Walker is a better pick than Mariota too. He's definitely uh, going to play snaps. I think whether it be garbage time, but the issue is like I could see Cam having three picks and they bring in Walker and he like is vaguely useful, but he's not going to put up twenty. I think that'd be hard to do. All right, it's now to the chat here. H how did we want to do this to make this more organized, to get them organized so it's quicker? Um, I think they can drop the their picks in, and then once we see a consensus, we'll have them vote between two, like and do a number thing. All right. Oh, so Jake, the, chat, the chat sniffed out my other backup QB play, and now I'm getting cucked because spags uh basically that was a brilliant move tell me that was orchestrated um it would have been it would have been a brilliant me. move pete if i were playing the metagame i'm just going segment to segment trying to survive <laughs> wow wow um all right chat needs to get do you guys want from because that's who i was going to take do you guys want cam patterson wilson there is risk with from i mean don't get me wrong like mm -hmm. there's a chance that he doesn't play at all uh but you guys could do this I, yeah, Pete. I, let's give them from they they seem to want from yeah from in it mathology is saying or matt mathology i feel like I, I think he likes math and his name is matt so i feel like in my mind it's mathology but it could be mathology yeah um we're gonna give you guys from uh congratulations um i am going to pick uh a running back that i think is overpriced uh, i'm gonna do chuba hubbard here on the road at buffalo 5700 um and then I do have the turn here. Um, I am going to spend up. And let's see. Actually, I want to get one of the guys that I do think is one of the most mispriced. I mentioned that I might be going with these Ravens. Uh, Sammy Watkins uh, at 4,100 does not project well. Rashad Bateman uh, looks like a better bet there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Sammy Watkins here on the turn. Okay, that's an interesting one. I, I was thinking about a Ravens wide receiver as well, but now we are back to the chat so we can see what they want to do. And then worth, worth pointing out that Justin Davidson did want to leverage off of my PJ Walker pick and go to Cam. And I think that was that would have been a brave and logical take, but unfortunately not one that panned out. So chat, feel free to dictate us. Whoever really gets it in first is probably going to get to choose the pick for the chat's low ball entry. 
Yes. Uh, chat, let's see it. I uh, I see a suggestion of Zeke. I see two Zeeks. I see a Mike Davis. Oh. It's probably Mike uh, Davis is probably never a bad pick, if we're being honest. I mean, Zeke is definitely uh all right, I see another Zeke. Let's see here. I see a Julio. Zeke is the we've gotten two. Do I hear three votes for Zeke? Do I hear three votes? Feed Zeke. All right, there's another Zeke. All right, Mark Stamp Zeke. We're gonna give Zeke here. All right, the chat start Zeke. Yeah, start thinking about your next pick here as as Spags goes on the turn. Yeah, chat, feel free to drop one in as I take two in a row here. And I will also go to running back. I'll go to a guy who's been clearly supplanted as the lead running back uh, for this uh, Ravens team. But I do think that we should be going to uh, Latavius Murray's way. 4,600. Could be a little bit more expensive. I think would have made it more appealing, but does seem like he's got a pretty high bust potential. So that's the way I'm going to go. Yeah, and then- uh, I think that one's solid. And then, okay, so now here's the tough part is do I game stack up Baltimore in the hopes that Tyler Huntley can't get there if Lamar Jackson's going to be out? Rashad Bateman looking also like a high bust candidate. And uh, I'll, I'll reveal what I'm looking at right now for that after this one because I do feel like I'm cheating a little bit with my process today. But I'll take Rashad Bateman at wide receiver here to be another bust in my low ball lineup. I was uh, I was thinking about taking both Bateman and Watkins uh, as well, so I think that's a sharp pick here. Um, the chat is now conferring here. I see uh, a Jamichael Hasty. I see a Mike Davis. I see a Galladay. Will is suggesting maybe stacking this game with Barkley to chew up more salary. Hmm. I would say in general, when we've done these, you you generally need like two guys that are over i don't know 6500 generally just to make like the salary stuff work yeah i i think i mean mike davis i feel like we've seen mike davis enough that i think that's a reasonable take yeah uh chat needs to get on the same page lots of nominations here um i've seen okay. two galladays now do yeah. i have a third for galladay i have oh barkley coming in hot okay break the tie now you can only vote barkley or galladay Barkley oh, or another Barkley. Uh, All right, we're going Barkley. Yep. All right, Saquon. Poor, poor Saquon has his best game of the year, and he's getting shit on. I am going to choose some salary. I'm going to go to Terry McLaurin um, in this game, and I'm going to double up on it as well uh, in this game and go Devonta Smith. Try to chew up some kind of maybe too pricey wide receivers in, in a game I think is going to be pretty gross. Also, I just looked at my top shot. Q completely missed the the pack that I would have gotten, but our boy Mike Zakarian on the top shot uh, embedded stream. Yeah. I didn't know that. Good for him. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Move, moving up in the world. Take, coming for that Pete money that old Mike is. <laughs> uh, as someone who has hosted the uh, the top shot stream for them, there is no money involved in that. I can promise <laughs> you that. Well, now they're, um, now they're getting paid handsomely for every stream. <laughs> yeah, Mike is actually <laughs> retiring after this. Um, all right, back to the chat. Uh, all right. They want Galladay. Yeah. Yep. They, okay. They want the Giants. Give them the Giants. All right. I like this strategy, guys. I think this is a sharp team. Um. All right. Back to Spags on the turn. All right. I will go to another player who seems likely to underperform, and this one comes a little worried. But I know the chat was thinking about Michael Hasty. I'm gonna go Jeff Wilson's way at running back. Okay. This one could backfire a little bit if mm-hmm. uh. If Eli Mitchell doesn't play. 
It could, but we'll, we'll hope that it oh, won't. This is my lineup. Oops. And uh, I will then go. All right. So lots of guys who are looking pretty busty here, <laughs> uh, which uh, not in a fun way. Um, all right. Is, is Jalen Richard going to get snaps? He's, he's off the COVID list, right? I believe so, but I, I haven't seen an update on it. I ooh, I don't know if it's worth going to another yeah, another running back yet. I will take boy, all these receivers who are gonna bust are not too pricey. Um I'm gonna take Khalif Raymond at forty four hundred here, and I'm gonna have to spend some salary, but as a Josh Reynolds truther, I know that Khalif Raymond is functionally useless. Okay. Uh Sorry, Raymond or Reynolds? Uh, Raymond, Raymond, no, not Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, I could never, could never that's be your, a that's your boy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right, we're back to the chat. Let's see it. I see some Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage. Uh, stay in New York and jump on Crowder. Pitts. All right, Pitts, Pitts. Hmm. All right. Um, high price tied in. I, I'm giving you guys Pitts. I feel like you guys are kind of dialed in right now on your strategy. Yeah, the chat really working together. I feel like we've had a couple days where the chat necessarily hasn't aligned, but today we got a real thousand monkeys at keyboards writing Shakespeare kind of approach to the, the lineup. I guess I can sit on quarterback. I don't have to make that move because you guys are already done with quarterback, so I can wait on that. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to... I am going to do Mike Davis. Um, pretty bad spot for Atlanta on the road here at San Francisco. Uh, let's let's go with Davis there. All right, that's certainly a reasonable take. And a oh, I have one. one more. My bad. You do. Um, I need to pay up at tight end. I need to spend a little bit more money. Um, let's let's go in on this Raven strategy, and I'll double up like you're doubling up. Uh, I'll go Mark Andrews at a sixty-four hundred here. Oh, man, I was thinking of going that way just to try to save some money, or not save some money, spend some money at tight end. Because now, now my option to spend money is going to be George Kittle, which did not work out the best uh, historically. <sighs> uh, wide receiver, who's super expensive? Mm. Odell's out for COVID. Would not be a good week to take Cooper Cup. I'll take... All right, this is the risky one. This has hurt me in the past, but I'm going to take hang Devontae on, hang Adams. On. It's, it's the chat. It's the chat. Oh, shit. Okay. okay. I, was, I was waiting for the chat. So I saw suggestions on Devonta Freeman. Uh, some don't suggestions for Broncos. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take Devonte no. Adams. No, these are actually smarter today than I am being with the lineup. But that's fair. You guys um, have three spots in a defense. Uh, let's oops. see here. Greg, Greg with a, an interesting one. Actually, a couple people saying Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones not practicing, so that is some risk there that you could end up with a twenty if he doesn't play. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was considering, uh, either Aaron Jones or Mark Andrews as far as my like last kind of high priced option. Um, it does I'm seem seeing... like they're still saying Aaron Jones a lot. Like, I feel like if, if we say that and they know they could take a 20, if he doesn't play, like if they feel confident he's going to play, I think that's, that seems like that should be the pick. All right. There's enough Aaron Jones here. Uh, yeah. you guys are getting Jones. All right, and if he doesn't play, you guys get 20 points. So now you know there's a punishment attached to uh, to the rubric against Aaron Jones. And I will take the other Packer. As I mentioned, I'll take Devontae Adams to eat up some salary. And then, boy, I'm after, I might have to still take Kittle, huh? Um, <laughs> this is your opposite. Normally, you spend high early, and then you're like putting $3,000 guys in. 
Yeah, the strategy that I was using here, using a certain boom bust tool that's very good, but uh, is not I meant not meant for building low ball lineups. I think is not working out the best for me. Um, I'm just gonna take Kittle here, and I'll figure out. I feel like that'll just give me a lower salary mark to get to for the flex, and hopefully Kittle will regress to what he has been historically. All right. Uh, chat, you have 4,700 left across two wide receivers and a DST. Um, there was some push for Dallas D. Iceman comes in very strong. Uh, no one wants Dallas D against uh, Jake Fromm. I don't think that would be correlated well. Um, all right. Arizona DST is the best way to eat salary, even though they look like they're in a good spot. Uh, 4,000 is, is definitely a lot. So I, I, I think that's a good pick. I see three Arizona DSTs there. So now you guys need to spend 5150 average, but you do have 500 to play with. I'm on the turn here just so I can see where I'm at. I am going to go ahead and put in Davis mills, uh, for my quarterback here at 5,400 on the road at Jacksonville. And then also to kind of see where I end up, uh, for my flex spot, I am going to do defense and I am going to go ahead and correlate with my Mike Davis and do the Falcons defense here. And wow, I didn't realize I was going to have to spend so much still in my final flex. So I will be at 7,200 or more. We are back to the chat here for two wide receivers. Yeah, I was going to say it looked like you're building a good GPP lineup, but I think that's still too many Ravens with no QB. But uh, I feel like you've built a better GPP lineup than I have or the chat has. No way, because you're the only person on here that has a guy that can score 40 points on his own. <laughs> well, you have Davis Mills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I see Ayuk. I see three Ayuks. Bateman's already off the board. Uh, okay, Ayuk. I've seen enough for Ayuk. Okay, I think Ayuk seems fair, and they're leveraging against my Kittle pick, Ooh. so that's also logical there. So you guys can go dumpster diving now. Anywhere between 3,500 to 4K for your final wide receiver. You can get a real dust ball in there. Spags on the turn to finish out. All right, well, I'm going to go with what the low-probability crystal ball told me to, and that the New York Jets are going to win at Miami. I will take the Dolphins defense at 3,700. Dolphins defense at 3,700. And, then and I can now you need to spend 54. 54. Yeah. So 54. <sighs> the, the, the chat already took Galladay, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I couldn't take him anyway because I would leave me $600 left and we do have to spend 49.5 here. Um, I will hurt our good pal Josh Frick and take Julio Jones here in the hopes <laughs> that he continues to be a shell of him former self. All right. Julio Jones to round it out. Very nice team by Spags here. Toss that in the Millie maker. Um, <laughs> all right, chat 3,500 on a wide receiver at the minimum is what you need to spend here. People want Zacchaeus potentially Duvernay. Lots, lots of options here. Um, do I hear any second votes? Uh, Iceman says Zacchaeus has only scored over five points once. All right. Zacchaeus. All right. I think, I think that's it. Olamidi. I see a Keelan Cole between Keelan Cole and Zacchaeus. Do I have a I think, second? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Give, give one. If you want Zacchaeus, give two. If you want, who was the other one? No, Keelan just Cole? write the name out. I, my brain can't make those. Associations <laughs> yeah, but I really right. want to do the number thing. I want to see a bunch of ones or twos. <laughs> you want uh, to be a Twitch streamer? Yeah, exactly. Or I want people to pay F for press F for their, to pay their respects. Keelan Cole. 
how about yeah i am i'm going to look at mine while the chat because i'm not taking their their pick here more more zacchaeus i feel like zacchaeus is i think pulled ahead okay oh then some coal boy people <laughs> God, now oh. they're doing number spags you tell me what is it this is your bit uh i think it seems like zacchaeus is one based on the ones and the mentions of zacchaeus all right zacchaeus it is guys you're stacking yeah. up uh atlanta there um it is finished all right so i need to spend 7200 um which really limits me so it's Mixon, elliot lamb kittle's already gone deontay johnson or Diggs. i'm between Mixon and elliot let me see my uh, quick projections. I will go with Mixon here on the road at Denver. I actually don't mind that. Okay. I mean, you couldn't take CD Lamb after Nana Pete. It really cemented him as the play of the week. Yeah. Is this is Mathology's flipping somebody out. He's, he's pissed with the Zacchaeus pick. <laughs> um, Willis, I will uh, send you uh, this lineup to enter as proxy for the chat in the uh, in the three ball, low ball contest. And then come back on Monday and we'll reveal who won the low ball competition. And it'll probably be me and we won't make a big deal of it. Cause when Pete wins, there's a whole fucking parade. Everybody comes streaming down and, and Pete's not wearing any clothes. It's a whole thing. As it, as it should be. If uh, I'll, I'll show you my meat potatoes. If I win this week, <laughs> your, your meaty clackers, your meat potatoes, all the same thing. Let's do Thursday night football and get out of the way because we do have actually a pretty big Thursday night football game that I think we were ready for it to be a real shit show of games on the stretch, but you get an AFC West battle tonight between the chargers and the chiefs, 27.8 implied points for the chiefs on the road chargers, 24.8 implied points. Books have this line is 52 and a half edge sports, edjsports.com where we run a hundred thousand simulations have this as being a 58 point line. So a little really? bit of juice here on the over. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Might have to hit that over. Yeah. I mean, put it on your bets, Burt's picks, Pete. I, I, I might, I need to feel inspired. Uh, I'm, I will reference uh, football outsiders uh, has this set as a 58 point line. Yeah, th there you go. So, all right. What do you, I'll let you have the right. Actually, if you have any overall thoughts in the game last week, we did see pretty even split with Clyde over to and Darrell Williams. I'll sub Derek Gore, get some snaps, but I don't feel like that's going to happen. That seemed like a blowout situation. That's my main observation, Pete. And we will have Keenan Allen back for this game after he was on the COVID list. So uh, that's an important thing to note. Anything else you want to point out before you make your ride or die pick? Um, yeah, two things. One, as Paul said, if we get Pete to 10K subs, I think Spags will twerk while Pete shows his meat potato. Sounds like a good time. Yes, let's uh, let's get to 10K here. Uh, Gem City, say Keelan Cole log after we have finished that segment. Uh, the only kind of news thing for tonight that I think is interesting is Austin Eckler. There's been some reports that he might be uh, limited tonight and i i know like over at our run the sims inputs you know we're kind of projecting justin jackson and joshua kelly for just slightly more work than they normally have so that's kind of one of those interesting spots where if you think it's like bullshit neckler is uh rearing to go then uh you'll probably have him in, in way more lineups than the field because i think that report is going to scare a lot of people off yeah, I think that's a reasonable uh, thought there. And Eckler, I would agree. Like He's been an important part of the offense, more touchdowns than everybody else. He's got 38% of the total touchdowns on the year. Um, is, he your, wait, is he your ride or die pick, or are you just kind of touting him up? No, no, I was just mentioning that that's kind of like the one kind of fragile yeah. situation. Oh, so you're just trying to get the ownership up on him, and then you're going to go the other way and take Justin Jackson. Pump and dump. It's, it's what I do, <laughs> Specs. Uh, no hodling for you. Uh, who do you, you could have the ride or die pick first though. And of course we usually just do a showdown winning captain for this one to keep it easy for everybody out there. 
Yeah, I'm seeing three solid captains tonight, so I don't think we have to take one off the board. I will take uh, I'll take Keenan Allen as my captain. All right, and you guys may have heard this process before. It's something that I bring to the table every week. I'm going to leverage off of Pete's pick and go Justin Herbert's way in the hopes that he uh, creates enough for Keenan Allen, but not enough for Keenan Allen to make it to the captain spot. All right, there you go. He also looks good. Uh, both Keenan and Herbert, uh, pretty high in the Sims optimal captain rate tonight. A pretty flat DVOA matchup as well, according to Football Outsiders. A one point three percent boost from the Chargers D, uh, minus six percent from the uh, the chart. Excuse me, the Chiefs defense. Boy, really losing steam here. I blame the booster, uh, but definitely a matchup here that could have a high total. So should be actually a fun one. If you had to pick a winner, Pete, I feel like the Chiefs. I, hard to imagine the Chiefs not rolling in this one as well. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of am, am inclined to take chargers three points at home. Like mm. the narrative on the chiefs heading into last week was just kind of how kind of broken they are. We've had back-to-back -back games with Travis Kelsey under 30 yards. Tyree kill hasn't been getting loose for big plays. Then they get like the ultimate get right spot against the Raiders who are so bad. And now they have a tough spot like on the road against a team that's been playing pretty well. So I don't know. I think, I, I think I want to take the points. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be a shootout. I mean, just looking at the pace numbers too, both teams on the higher end of pace, 28.9 seconds per snap for Kansas City, 29.7 for the Chargers. I think will be a game actually worth watching on Thursday Night Football, which is not always the case. Pete, what are the plugs coming up besides, of course, tomorrow we'll be back doing Splash Play 2.30 Eastern on Pete's channel and the Splash Play channel, so make sure you are subscribed to both and hitting the like version on both videos as well. What do you have coming up? Yeah, I'm doing a showdown cram tonight. I'm having a guest for it. Normally I do those solo, but I'm going to have a uh, Cody main from Establish oh, yeah. the run. He's who does their, all of their showdown uh, write-ups over there. So excited to add someone to the mix. And then tomorrow I will be doing, yeah, my GPP strategy show with JM to win uh, one of the, uh, respected high stakes uh fantasy players and content creators out there and he's uh he's a little more off the radar because most of his stuff is behind the paywall over there and so i'm excited to talk to someone who uh he's definitely not overexposed in the uh dfs content space so that'll be uh fun to pick his brain He's one of those guys I definitely started reading a lot more when I started taking DFS more seriously before I ended up working at Osmo. And uh, yeah, definitely an interesting guy, as well as Cody, uh, one of my newer people that I've been following this year who I think is pretty sharp. And it's really as everybody at ETR is, as you guys all know at this point. But make sure to follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris Spags. We'll be back tomorrow, 2.30 Eastern. So follow at Splash Play Pod to know the guest, if we have one or whatever else we're going to be doing. That's the best way to find out, at Splash Play Pod. And any final words for you, Pete, or are we done? Uh, I think we are done. All right, we are done. So enjoy your nights and good luck.